Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. What a week this has been. It is a wild week. And, John, between Hunter this week and then next week we got the Iowa caucuses. Uh, I say buckle your seatbelt. Weekend. Yeah, it's a biggie. It uh, is I mean, is anybody mayor, going away this weekend? And the mayor, of the, the mayor of New York may be indicted, he said. Oh, my when goodness. Did he say that? When did he say that? That's out there. It's a rumor going out oh, that's that he a rumor. was talking to people about he, it. He better be nice to Biden. Uh, otherwise, he will. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> we got Judge Richard Weinberg in the studio and the other Democrat in the studio. We have uh, Governor David Patterson. Welcome, guys. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. And... I'm in the middle. Yeah, you're in the middle. Our 10, 12-year chairman of the GOP in New York State, Ed Cox. Ed? God bless you. Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. I I got your stuff in New Keep your distance. By the way, we have to contain uh, Governor Patterson because he was mentioned about his great singing and performance. Yes. Yes. I want to be his agent, okay? Just for the record, everybody. I understand. uh, Tell us, how how big was your band? You played in... Uh, Todd Shapiro's was it Todd Shapiro's place in Albany? Well, there's seven of us in the band, and but he didn't have enough space. Only three of us played, and, and I uh, understand Letitia James was there. Letitia James introduced me and uh, said all these nice things about me, and said, "But I think we can all agree he can't sing." But I think I cleared that up with her by the end of Bravo! the Argov, Argov. And by the way, uh, something I am happy, at least, that Biden is showing a little bit of a backbone, Ed Cox, uh, with the Hootsies. But it is, it's all smoke and mirrors. It is a little I mean, pinprick. I mean, it was stupid. They made people get out. You know, they gave people notice. Get out of the way. Get out of your truck. So we're going to blow you up your truck. Yeah, that that's Biden's way of being tough. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> too, uh, too little. Too late. You know the worst part of it all? I don't think so. Well, his version of it, you know. (laughs) Well, this is the funniest thing, you guys, and sad. I I don't even mean funny. But, John, you should have seen President Biden earlier today. He was asked. He was with a bunch of school kids in a classroom. And a reporter's firing a question. Hey, I understand you went after, you know, the Iranian-backed Hootsie rebels. Ah, yeah, I sort of did. And, yeah, I stand by it. It, And and he was was apologizing. He was apologizing, and he looked weak, John. It looked it looked like anybody who sees that says, God, this guy's a sucker. Seriously, when a president does something like that or supplies Ukrainian at the start of that whole thing, no speech. He should give a speech to the nation about why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. It's escalating Especially since things. Congress should be approving it in yes. the first place. And it's dangerous. It's escalating it's dangerous. things. This sort of waffly is more yeah. dangerous than clarity. you got to explain it to the <laughs> American and, and people. One of the, more Democrats than you would think are actually criticizing him and saying that it's going to help to destabilize the region. 
the uh, problems that have been going on over there have been going on since October 7th, blocking the Red Sea and uh, uh, destroying commercial governor, trade over governor, there. It's been going on for 2,000 years. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually thought of that. He's been too busy performing in his band. You know, yeah. you know what it is? You know what it is? They're shooting. Uh, I understand the Hooties are shooting, but don't want to hit anybody. And the Hooties are not no longer on the terrorist uh, watch, even though uh, our uh, Navy has hit him. Biden took Biden. him off. Biden so took him first, off. One of the first things he did when he became president. And he hasn't put him back on. But, started but, dealing with but Iran, if they stir the pot, guys, if they stir the pot enough, and every dollar that oil goes up, it's $100 million a day. And who is divvying up this $100 million a day? Yeah, and who benefits, John? You know. I mean, well, that's the thing. The American uh, taxpayer loses. Yes, and Iran and places like that benefit, and that is bad. Well, Rita, I understand you have, uh, uh, who do you have? We on? got uh, Victoria Coates. Victoria Coates. Why don't you take Victoria Coates, Rita? Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with the very latest is Victoria Coates, Deputy National Security Advisor. Victoria, your reaction to the fact uh, that the U.S. Uh, finally hit some Hootsie targets, but is it too little too late? Well, good to be with you, Rita. It's a sort of surprising day for me. I find myself in agreement with uh, Leader McConnell that this was long overdue. Uh, the Iranians have been basically attacking us with impunity since uh, October 7th, rather, and have carried out over well over 100 strikes. And so finally, uh, I think the president felt shamed into actually taking some some action. And of course, the officers and crew of the Eisenhower Carrier Group behaved magnificently. We are so blessed to have them, uh, and they hit all their targets. But the attacks were telegraphed ahead of time, so the Houthi were able to move things. Uh, there were very, very few casualties. And I don't think Iran is going to see this as a decisive step in any way. Exactly. Like, isn't it like, I mean, isn't it like almost escalating things? And I, I mean, mean, is it like when President Obama would ask the uh, soldiers to, to tell the people that they're going to hit a truck to step out of the truck so they don't get hurt? Yeah. I mean, if you think back, uh, you we through the Obama era, we had then Secretary John Kerry running around saying that we were going to do tiny little strikes, that they would be messages. And that's not the role of our armed forces. That's not what we should use them for. And if you think, take a little further back to President Reagan and Operation Praying Mantis against the Iranians, a very decisive show of force, and the Iranians backed out. Same thing with uh, President Trump and the Soleimani strike. And it didn't escalate. It was decisive. They backed down. That's how you handle them. You know, Victoria, I'm telling you, I sit there and I, I am like shaking my heads because I'm watching the scenes today. There are literally millions of people marching in Yemen, angry at the U.S. for what it looks like we took out one terrorist. This, this president, I'm not confident he's capable with what is going to be really tough stuff. I think the next few months, even more complex than what we've seen. Right, and, and they're, they're, they're getting this backwards because the, the issue here is not so much Yemen, which is a mess, and the Houthi are terrorists. Uh, it was abused me a little that the administration announced but today President, that finally, President Biden has taken them off the terrorist list, didn't they? And they but, still are off the terrorist list, right, Victoria? Yeah. I mean, that's shocking. No, no, but, but that's actually what they walked back today. They said they're reconsidering it now. Oh, wow. Uh, after, after how many yeah. strikes? You know, <laughs> uh, well over a hundred that 
in, in the last couple of months, but this has been going on since they came off the list. The first thing they did was shell the Emirates and the Saudis. Uh, so years of this has been tolerated. And, but ultimately, Yemen's not the problem. And the last thing we want to do is get sucked into some kind of conflict in Yemen. We've seen how horribly that turned out for the Saudis and the Emirates. So, so we should be avoiding that. And I think the, the real target and the people who are orchestrating this awful uh, sort of unrest across the Middle East, if you look one step back from Lebanon, from Gaza, from Yemen, who's standing there? The Iranians. And so the president didn't even mention the word Iran in his statement last night. Interestingly, though, CENTCOM did. They referred to the Houthi as uh, as Iranian-backed militants. And so I think you, you're seeing a kind of interesting divergence between the military, who knows the enemy we face, and the administration, who doesn't want to call them an enemy. Yeah, he seems like he's afraid. You know, one thing I was stunned by, Victoria Coates, too, is that today the president was asked about it, and he's kind of mumbling, bumbling, he was talking to school kids in a classroom. He wasn't even, like, looking at the camera. It gave no sense that he has an understanding of what is a hornet's nest now in the Middle East. No, and, and that's, that's the ultimate problem here is, is no one has confidence in the president or his decision-making ability. And certainly the spectacle that we've endured with the Secretary of Defense over the course of the last 10 days is case in point. You know, he he doesn't even know where his secretary of defense is. Nobody thinks it's important to tell the president that the secretary has cancer. Uh, you know, this is just extraordinary. And I think the Iranians watched that and said, you know, there's nobody home. We may as well go to town. So the question is what they do next. Uh, the ball's in their court. They've already fired a drone at some of our guys in Iraq. Uh, there were there were reports of a potential another naval incident. And, of course, don't forget, day before yesterday, they scooped up the St. Nicholas, that tanker, with uh, U.S. ties. And so that hasn't been resolved either. So we're, we're far from out of the woods here. Yeah, absolutely. Victoria Coates, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Victoria. Wow. Thank you. You know, I I laughed, John, we both just laughed when we just heard Victoria tell us now uh, that they're reconsidering putting them back on the terrorist terrorist list. list. What does it take? Uh, Just because they're shooting on us, just because they're they're attacking uh, the ships in the Red Sea and trying to close down the Suez Canal. We're not, they're not going to be on a terrorist list. Yeah, though. not automatically. Something as easy as that, this administration just, can't do. And, and, and by the way, Rita, this Sunday, uh, we also have... Uh, Rand Paul. Rand Paul. And we have a two-minute tidbit on my interview with Rand Paul. And he's mad as heck at, at uh, Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci. Let's hear that, Rand Paul. Now, uh, one of the other situations that uh, you've been involved in, because you're, uh, you're, you're a doctor, uh, is... Uh, uh, this uh, Fauci situation, and I understand it could be more serious than we first anticipated. So Fauci came in to testify before the House Select Committee on COVID this week, and he basically said that he didn't remember or couldn't recall over 100 times in the first day of testimony. Um, so for a guy that's smart enough to think that he can shut down the schools, shut down the economy, force everybody to get vaccinated, including children, including people who have already had COVID. He could in the military, everything. He put, we got mandates everywhere, and he was all for them, but yet he can't recall sort of how the decision-making went or what the science is to support this. When he was asked whether or not he approved the research that went on in Wuhan, he said he approved all research, but he said he didn't read it. 
when they asked him what were the controls, what was the oversight for the research being done in foreign countries, he said well, he wasn't aware of how that worked. So, I mean, this is sort of the slipshod nature of what was going on, but it wasn't just a bureaucratic mistake. It was a, ultimately a mistake funding the lab in Wuhan that led to the pandemic. The Department of Energy has concluded this. The FBI has com- concluded this. And even a secret committee within the CIA also concluded that it looked like the virus came from the lab. But the lab only was able to function because the U.S. funded it, because Anthony Fauci approved of it. And he's never been held responsible for this. This is probably the worst decision ever made by a public health official in the history of time, really, because not only a million Americans died, they say maybe as many as 20 million people died worldwide. Somewhere between 10 and 20 million died worldwide. And it was largely because of the decision of Anthony Fauci to fund dangerous research, gain-of-function research, where you allow viruses to be combined, and they gain lethality, they gain infectiousness. They do this in the lab to create a virus that doesn't exist in nature. And then what we believe happened is that virus leaked from the Wuhan lab, started a pandemic in China. Then as people got on subways and planes and trains, it spread around the world. Wow. John, I can't wait to hear the full interview on Katz and Cosby this Sunday morning with Rand Paul. Uh, Judge Weinberg, it is remarkable. This guy uh, first enforced, you know, all the mass stuff, enforced the six feet apart. You know where the six said, feet? Then said Wuhan you know is, is, six a, is, is, from, a, is a, is a uh, conspiracy. Now he's saying something different. Shame on him. Six feet. You know where that came from? The origin of the six feet rule? The great flu pandemic. The early 20th century. Yeah, that's, that's what a, Fauci based it on. Right. Ridiculous. So there's no science there. He said, follow science. There was no science there. Where are the repercussions, Ed Cox, oh, to there, Fauci? There, look, Come uh, on. Fauci saying he knew nothing, no how, no way. He did all the way. And that means that, in fact, that they were doing gain-of-function research well, in Wuhan, supported by the United States. And that could have been And he approved that. I he could not say that. What a shame. What a travesty of what Fauci did. Issue Bravo to Rand Paul for speaking Absolutely. out. He's been right all along on it. And on Sunday, we have a terrific show on Sunday morning. We have the former Attorney General, Bill Barr. And he's going to talk about how the Justice Department was run 30 years ago when he was there, and how it's run today. That Is he crying? Very Is he crying about and, today? And that <laughs> very interesting. And we have Fauci, and we got Fauci. Uh, 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 we have the full Rand interview. Paul on Fauci. Rand yeah. Paul yeah. on the full Fauci interview. And Ted Cruz on the stuff going on in Texas. And Senator Kennedy on the stuff going on. Wow. And by the way, big economic news. We have joining us now Mike Kalias, who is the Detroit-based reporter with the Wall Street Journal. And, uh, Mike, you wrote a blockbuster column, and you were also talking about how Hertz is selling, uh, what is it, like one-third of its EV fleet, uh, saying, please, good riddance. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, this is, there's been quite a few companies, uh, that seem to be rolling back. You know, they had pretty ambitious, uh, EV growth plans, um, and they're, they're partially rolling them back. You know, they're not walking away from it, but I think, I think, uh, Hertz kind of got into this and, and thought it was maybe a little more, a little more than they had bargained for. And so they're unwinding some of that about, about a third of the fleet. Um, they're saying they're not going to walk away entirely from EVs, but, um, you know, I think they've become more costly than they expected, not as much demand as they expected. And so, yeah, they're, they're, they're cutting about 20,000, uh, 
from their fleet. Probably mostly Teslas, but others, other models as what well. What are they doing with the cars? Who wants yeah, well, them? Who yeah. wants them? Gonna buy them? <laughs> who do you sell them to? Yeah, who, are they going to well, pay hey, somebody is, to take them? I think this is probably another problem is that Tesla, about a year ago, Tesla really started cutting its prices. And that's really been problematic for the whole used EV market. And so I think Hertz has taken a big hit on the value of these, and that's hit their that's hit their balance sheet. And so that that was another problem with this beyond just the fact that not as many people as expected were running these. Um, there'll be a market for it, but I mean they're gonna they're gonna be selling these a lot at, at, at very discounted prices. I think from what they would have expected when they made the deal. That's a sign what, of the what times. What does a used Tesla go for? A used Tesla, you could probably get, uh, you know, in the in the 30s, 30s or 40s for a, a Model 3 or a Model Y, um, you know, depending on the year, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they've, they've really come down because as soon as you cut prices on new, a new car, right, I mean, the used market is just going to take a hit. And so we've seen we've seen a lot of that. In yeah, the last absolutely. And we're talking time. to Mike uh, Kalias, a Detroit-based reporter with The Wall Street Journal. Uh, Judge Weinberg. Mike, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. First, I want to say go blue. Thanks very much. Second thing I want to say is, as I read your article this morning in the Wall Street Journal, I had one question, which is, what lessons have we learned about the pushing for EVs that the, the government should understand and the population should understand? Yeah, well, uh, go blue indeed. You know, I think... I think what we're seeing is a lot of you just can't. You, 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 just can't. you have sports fans here, so we all get it. <laughs> you can't force the consumer. Oh, to wait, wait, wait. wait. John doesn't get it. it. University of Michigan, John. That's a huge win. Uh, University wait, 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 of Michigan. What the heck do I know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a college dropout. Uh, you, you need to buy the team. They're I doing very well. So, Mike, what are the lessons to be learned from this? I think the primary one is probably you just you, you can't force consumers to to buy something or rent something that they don't want. Um, that's not to say there aren't people who aren't buying and renting EVs. I mean, there's there's a big fan base. I think it's just not as big as a lot of these companies expected at this point. And so, you know, until the growth rates become what they had forecast, uh, we're seeing a lot of companies unwind plans that they had made and, and a lot of money that they had put into this part of the market, and I think they're just going to have to wait it out. Yeah, Ugh, what a oh, mess. Thank you so much. Sign of the times. On. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Michael. You thank you. Thank you. And uh, let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Larry Kudlow and see which way your economy is going. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we are back, and with us today is uh, one of the country's leading economists. We have Larry Kudlow with us. And the number one show on WABC on Saturday morning from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock, Larry Kudlow. How are you, Larry? I'm good, John. Good. Uh, tell us, uh, what what happened today that got to you? So my three favorite stories the last couple of days. Number one, too much inflation. Number two, Hertz sold all of its electric vehicles. Nobody wants them. And number three, sex lies and videotapes in Hotlanta, Georgia. Those are my three stories. Wow. And, uh, you know, somebody sent me a comment on the Hertz, uh, uh, on the Hertz thing. They said a used Tesla comes with a used battery and a huge price for a new one. Who's going to buy 20,000 uh, cars? Nobody. Nobody wants them. All these subsidies and 
and it's very cold out. I don't understand global warming. All the stories, it's freezing out. Too cold to vote in Iowa. It's going to be 40 below in Montana. Whatever <laughs> happens to global warming, it's global freezing. The whole thing's a hoax. A complete farce. You know, Larry, uh, you were talking about uh, the uh, the lovers triangle in Georgia. Uh, what what did, what did you make of that? That is so bad uh, that the guy visited story. the White House, Larry. What what uh, where do you think the case goes? Listen, uh, I, this is my favorite story, Rita. I'm yeah, so it is. You, I, you can't make it up. When I saw it, I started laughing so hard, Larry. Too. No, sex, sex lies and videotapes. So Fannie Willis had to pay this guy seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to go out with her. That's Whoa! <laughs> and the guy was underpaid. The, the, the said, judge said the he's underpaid. Said, <laughs> yeah, right. It's a tough sell. The guy we're going to bring we're we're going to bring him to New York. But the, the guy spent eight hours in the White House. I mean, this shows you that the legal war against Trump is being orchestrated by the White House. And we learned this week also, Letitia James spent a lot of time in the White House. Uh, before these, uh, you know, she wanted to take over and end all of Trump's businesses and fine him whatever, $350, $70 million. There's a lot of insanity out there. That's oh, all I can say. And Larry, the, just, the Department of Justice sent someone up to talk to Bragg before he took the case that yeah. uh, that the Southern District wouldn't do, that Cy Vance Jr. wouldn't do. <laughs> so, no, he's, it's it's all emanating from the Biden administration. Yeah, I think you're right. And look at, you know, we'll, we will learn more about Fannie Willis from the divorce proceedings. That's, that's what's going to be very amusing. So far, she's not talking, but they're going to go in the court because uh, her lover's uh, divorce proceeding. But, you know, I think that's going to blow up. <laughs> It'll blow up the case. I mean, it's going to blow up the case and it's going to cast doubt on a lot of other cases at the same time. There's a domino effect here. Did you, uh, by the way, Larry, did you see on the divorce thing? This is so funny, guys. The day that, um, that he files for divorce, I think it's the next day she puts him as the prosecutor. You can't make it up, Larry. So in other words, he told, she told him, file for divorce and I'm, I'll give you a million dollars to be the prosecutor. Yeah. And then go visit the White House. Uh, happen to visit the White House. There are so many things that are so bad with this job. Seriously, (laughs) the national press now has to deal with it because sex is involved. Oh, because sex sells. Is that what you're saying? Hey, even the New York I'm, Times, it sells. Uh, I have to you. say, it raises very serious. Let Larry talk. Let's let Larry talk. Larry, it's no, your, your no, call. No, I don't really have much to add because uh, I know you're a family-rated program, so we can't go too deep into this. But, Ed, Ed will uh, hold his ears. So right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a bad story. The other bad story, John is the inflation rate came in higher than people thought, the consumer price index. And, you know, all this talk about uh, the Fed cutting interest rates and juicing the economy, they they should do no such thing because they still have a lingering inflation problem, uh, which is up 17% from the time uh, Biden was ele- uh, took office. But more importantly, um, overall inflation at 3.4%, and core inflation at 3.9%, you know, even at this late stage, and we have made progress, but nonetheless, it's way above the Fed's 2% target. And Jay Powell has to be uh, very aware and leery of that. And I think the 
markets, the bond market in particular, uh, predicting four, five, or six rate cuts this year is way off base right now. Well, you, UBS predicted, remember a few months ago, UBS predicted 275 cut. You got, you got to remember, yeah. Joe Biden, President Biden cannot get reelected unless the rates are down. Well, you know, I, I want to stand up. I don't frankly think Jay Powell is bucking for a third term as Fed chair. And so, therefore, my hope is, even though 90% of the Fed economists are Democrats, and that's from a survey, I really don't think they're going to be near as political as some people have suggested. But whatever, my point is, the number that came out earlier this week was not a good number. And so they have to be uh, leery of that. They have more work to do, and I think they're going to keep their target rate higher. And I think the 10-year, John, is going to stay over 4%. I don't think it's going to collapse at all. And so you're going to still be stuck with relatively high mortgage rates, and you're still going to be stuck with, you know, for working families, middle-class, typical families, and lower-income families, uh, wages are below inflation. So real wages continue to decline. None of that has been uh, cleared up or erased. It's still out there. Well, th- thank you, Larry Kudlow. We'll be uh, watching carefully on this, and, and I'll be listening at 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock on uh, Larry Kudlow show on Saturday morning, uh, and uh, the, the number one show, and also the number one show on uh, cable uh, business for both of Fox Business, where you appear uh, every day, Monday through Friday, and your higher ratings and CNBC, your old haunting ground. <laughs> Thank you, John. You're very kind. Thank you so and much, con- uh, Larry. Congratulations. Congratulations to you and to John Jr. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Rita, I understand you have some. Hot news. It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, as you heard at the top of the show right here on Cats and Cosby, the Biden administration finally hit back at the Iran-backed Houthi rebels, but very little damage was done to the rebel facilities. And there's a report that maybe one fighter was killed. A Texas Republican Congressman, Mike McCall, the head of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, has been critical of the Biden administration for standing on the sidelines when our allies were attacked overseas and including uh, other ships, many of them in the Red Sea. Meantime, also, a massive winter storm might be the real front runner in the 2024 Iowa caucus, which, of course, is Monday. Wind chills in the minus 20s are being forecast for Monday when caucus goers go to the local precincts. Meanwhile, a Suffolk University poll of Iowa voters has former President Trump maintaining a dominant lead. And a new Gallup poll says there is now a tie between voters who identify as Democrats and voters who identify as Republicans. The poll has both parties at 27 percent, which is a new low for the Democratic Party. Of those surveyed, the poll showed 43 percent of U.S. adults identify as independent. And those are your Goya hot top stories of the day, and John. they have the greatest beans I've ever eaten. They Goya are the beans. best. <laughs> They're awesome. Yes. Most flavorful. The best. Okay, we're going to take a break right now. 
And uh, tomorrow on Saturday is the elections in Taiwan. And Gordon Chang is going to come on and to give us to, to tell us what the heck is going on in Taiwan. Who's going to win? You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. I just heard, John, uh, the Anthony, because, of course, Friday is pizza day here at WABC. And the great Grimaldi's Pizza at the old Limelight, uh, they are the best. They are the official pizza Did of I say 77 Anthony, right? WABC. Anthony! Wait, I think we need to hear it again. It's so good. What do you think, Ed? What do you, One I, more time. One more time. Wait, wait, wait. I think we need to. Can we hear the Anthony again? Let's hear. Here, wait, here it is. We heard the ad again. Oh, wait. All right. We got to do it live. You got to do it live. Wow. Anthony, the, the <laughs> best right. Ramadi's pizza. That's the best pizza I've ever had. It is the best, and Anthony is one of the owners. All right, which we let's love. go to Taiwan and find out what the heck is going on. Uh, Gordon Chang, uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, if you could check the Twitter handle of Gordon Chang, it's at Gordon G Chang, and you could find out twenty four hours a day what the heck is going on. So, who's going to win this election, Gordon, in Taiwan? I. I wish I knew, John, and the reason is that uh, according to Taiwan law, no poll may be published within 10 days of the election. Wow. Now, before that 10-day blackout period, a guy named uh, William Lai, vice president of the Democratic, uh, vice president of the country from the Democratic Progressive Party, the pro-Taiwan party, was up about five or six percentage points. But we know that between the beginning of the blackout date and now, China has been seriously interfering in the election. We don't know if that has been helping uh, William Lai, the front runner, or hurting him. So we'll only know about 24 hours from now. What do you make, Gordon, of also the fact that there have been all these reports of like China spying on Taiwan, like the spy balloon that we saw, many of them hovering over the U.S.? Apparently, there are reports that they're doing that and a whole bunch of different stuff uh, in this climate right now. You know, there's been a lot of uh, Chinese spy balloons. Some of them have floated in the Taiwan Strait, uh, crossed the median line, which is the de facto border. But some of them have actually crossed over Taiwan's main island, which is an extremely belligerent act. Taiwan has basically let that happen. And the reason is they don't want to provoke a war, especially at the time, which is very sensitive for the Democratic Progressive Party. The DPP candidate, William Lai, was actually not doing very well because people were focusing in on the failures of DPP governance. But when China started to ramp up its propaganda, um, William Lai started to do very well because then people said, look, this is a choice between um, China and Taiwan. I vote for Taiwan. And so therefore, I'm going to vote for the pro-Taiwan party. So China's propaganda sometimes is counterproductive. Now, when do you when do you think we will know uh, the results of the election? If it's really close, it could be a day. Um, now we're about thirteen hours ahead of Taiwan, um, so we should know like eight or nine o'clock tomorrow morning. But if it's close, as I mentioned, um, it could take a little bit of time. Votes in Taiwan are counted by hand, and they're counted in front of everybody. Smart. So Smart. it's basically fraud free. But it takes a little bit of time. Uh, Ed Cox, you wanted yeah. to say something? Well, yeah. With respect to China, though, does it make a difference? Because the KMT has moved closer. The opposition party now has moved closer to the Taiwan nationalist uh, theme, has it not? 
It, it certainly has. Um, Ho Yu Yi, who is the Guomindang's KMT Nationalist Party's candidate, is basically said, look, we're not being annexed by China. You know, we're not going to talk about unification. But the problem is that there are many people in the KMT who actually talk about unification, including Ma Yingzhou, the previous KMT president, who just a couple days ago said some things which are embarrassing the KMT, because he basically said, look, we're going to be annexed. And that does not go down well with very many people in Taiwan. So all the conversation here in the United States is, okay, is uh, China going to move militarily to take over Taiwan? She said something, this and that, it might. But would they actually have to do it militarily? Couldn't they suffocate it slowly, embargo well, look it? What happened, look at what happened to Hong Kong, Ed. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it's One not, day you woke up. It's but but it's not it's not moving in the the full military. What is there another way that China would do it if they really wanted to do it? I don't think so. I think that if they want to annex Taiwan, they're going to have to take it by force because people on the island, they basically self-identify as Taiwanese only. When you look at surveys, at least 60 percent and usually above 80 percent of people say that they are Taiwanese only. And you look at those same surveys they say that below 7%, usually below 5%, say they're Chinese only. And those numbers have been moving in the direction of Taiwanese identity. So people in Taiwan say, yeah, of course we want good relations with Beijing, but we're not China. Gordon, when you know, please text me and I'll do it as breaking news. I'll get you on WABC as breaking news and let let the world know who's ahead. I will certainly do that, John, because this is consequential. Yes, it is. It is, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gordon. And now Thanks, we're, guys. Thank, thank you. you. And now we're going to... Dr. Mark Siegel joins us now And about I understand there's a lot of cancer among children. Cancer in kids and also recreational cannabis, John, uh, linked to depression and suicide. Uh, Dr. Siegel, take it away. Well, the cannabis thing is based on a Columbia study that showed that teens who use cannabis recreationally, you know, frequently are two to four times as likely to develop psychiatric disorders, <laughs> including depression and being suicidal. What we don't know is which is the chicken and which is the egg. But I don't think it matters whether whether it's caused by the by the cannabis or whether the cannabis unmasks underlying te- tendencies and drives them to the brink. I think the latter is more likely. I think that it's been shown over and over that cannabis interferes with with thinking and focusing and mood. But you know what the real issue here is, and I've said this forever and repeatedly, that pot is not pot anymore. It's now this hyper drive drug. I mean, it used to be 1.5% THC, the active chemical. Now it's 30%. And it's laced with all other kinds of stuff, too. And, and, and so this is hardly surprising, and it's deeply disturbing. So, you know, what's the, what's the takeaway? Because, you know, with all of this, Dr. Siegel, there are so many, I, I can't walk down the street in New York where I don't smell pot and, and it really bothers me. And you see a lot of, especially on young people. Is that called this, secondhand uh, smoke? I don't know. We got to start with maybe a lawsuit, right? Like they did with the cigarettes, well, right? You Ed? forgot you one, mean? you forgot one piece of this. Rita, which is... I don't know, you were smiling as you came in. Yeah, I was very happy. (laughs) I I kept walking up and down the street. (laughs) I don't think it was the cannabis. Probably it was a glass of wine. (laughs) Oh, he knows me. Okay, Okay. go ahead. All right, go ahead. (laughs) But but the part that Rita left out was those guys on scooters 
who are migrants that came across the border illegally that are selling the pot. I mean, you know, hello, Mayor Adams, you know, we're a sanctuary city for what? For drugs. And, and, and that's, that's, there's no way that the government can actually police the, the, uh, the drug state that we're in in this country, pot being cannabis being a huge part of it, fentanyl. I mean, there's also recreational Xanax now that's really powerful. The, this the only way, the first place to clean, the first way to clean this up is to secure our borders and to go after the drug dealers. Now, there's a new bill that's going to pass Congress that Jelly Roll has been promoting, by the way, that will. <laughs> That will uh, impose fines and, and, and all kinds of financial problems with for drug dealers. But that's not going to change much because they'll find a way to get around that, as usual, and continue to sell at a heightened rate. Now, by the way, tell everybody who Jelly Roll is. I saw him testifying on Capitol Hill, right? Well, J- Jelly Roll is an amazing guy. He was a rapper who now became uh, a country singer. He has a great voice, by the way. And all of his songs are to God, really. Save me. You know, is is an amazing song, uh, and and he's basically saying, "I'm lucky to be here. I've lost a lot of people. I've lost friends and family through overdose deaths. He's witnessed it. He's been an addict himself. He's been an alcoholic. You know, all of that he's overcome. He's an inspiration. He's a really good singer too. By the way, speaking of good singers, let's bring in uh, Governor <laughs> Patterson. Go ahead, Governor Patterson. <laughs> made, uh, made the New York Times today for his singing career. Yeah, you got to oh, see let it. Me hear, let me hear. Yeah, wait, oh, wait, wait, a little sample. Well, uh, no, I won't do that right now. But <laughs> Mark, I, I was, let's hear a, let's hear a rendition of Taylor Swift. Come on. No, I'll leave that for Taylor or Travis or whoever's running the show over there. So, uh, Mark, I think that the uh, laws that were banning the use of marijuana over the past two decades really have um, evaporated. And during this period of time, it doesn't appear that there was any research to point out what you said a little while ago, which is that the amount of THC has multiplied by nearly 15 times than what it was back in, you know, the the, uh, uh, the 60s and the 70s. And I think that this is a disturbing pattern because it's the same thing that's happening with the EV automobiles, which really weren't researched, which were rushed to uh, suit a political agenda as opposed to what would be safe for people driving. And and this is apparently the new way that you uh, that you. Uh, promulgate law is you just do it and don't even worry about the circumstances involved that is so articulate governor i wish you were running again we need you in albany i think but 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 seriously the 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 uh, and i mean it but the the thing here is you pointed to something which is in parts of western europe where pot is legal they have much lower thc content in in the in the cannabis shops like 1.5 percent you know, and, and I'm not talking about Netherlands, but but in many parts of Western Europe. And so I, I think that that that's the studies are not there for what this level of THC does. And I, I think that we saw from Colorado, which which should have been a test case, that what that what legalizing marijuana in Colorado does w- w- was flood the emergency room with psychiatric disorders, car accidents as a result, vomiting disorders and acute psychosis. Because of the level of THC, uh, Doctor do they con- uh, the Ed Cox? Do they control in Europe the uh, how it can be sold through what outlets can be sold and what the contents of the marijuana can be? 
Well, that depends on where in Europe we're talking about. It depends on which country. It's it's not very well controlled in Amsterdam, obviously, but but in France and in Italy, it's it's better controlled. Yeah, absolutely. So well, here doctors in New York, in Germany, it's out of it's better controlled in Germany. It depends yeah. on the country. Yeah, I was going to say it's totally out of control. Out of control here. Oh my God! Well, yeah. Doctor Siegel, thank you so much for joining us. Um, illuminating is a good way to describe it. Well, I, think. I like what Governor Patterson said. I mean, amazing. No, so. you know what? He didn't sing, so we don't want to give him too much credit. He made the New York Times and Todd Shapiro's. Uh, what, what, what's the name of the place up there? The War Room. The War Room, the war room <laughs> in Albany. But he brought peace and love with his singing, so that's nice. We love that. Thank um, you. And coming up, uh, thank you, thank Dr. You, Siegel. Uh, Have a Dr. great weekend. Thank you, Dr. Siegel, and uh, we'll, we'll see you for dinner soon. Thank you so much. And coming up, we have Miranda Devine with some big scoops on Hunter Biden, that and a lot more after the break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Also joining us, by the way, in addition to our great panel, is the head of Goya Foods, the CEO, the best beans and everything else. Bob Unanwe, we're thrilled to have you back, Bob. Um, and joining us now is Miranda Devine, the great columnist there with the New York Post. Miranda, give us the latest Hunter Biden shenanigans. Hi, Rita. Hi, everybody. Uh, well, look, the latest is a, a capitulation from Hunter Biden and his lawyer, Abby Roll. Uh, they must have realized that Hunter's stunt the other day uh, crashing the committee uh, that was hearing his contempt uh, citation um, had just blown up Joe Biden's whole narrative for his re-election campaign. So now they've uh, agreed in a big about face that uh, Hunter Biden will agree to sit for a deposition or a public hearing um, to to uh, in front of the oversight uh, committee. Now, the oversight committee has said it's not going to be a public hearing until you sit for a private closed door deposition with our lawyers where you answer questions for hours and hours and hours. Um, and that, of course, is what Hunter Biden wants to try and avoid. Um, but I think his lawyer has finally seen sense and seen that this is uh, no good for him because uh, he's already been found to be in contempt by uh, the Oversight and Judiciary Committees, and that was going to go to the DOJ. And, uh, you know, we see Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro have been um, found uh, convicted of contempt for defying a congressional subpoena, although they actually had a good reason for it because um, they were obeying the executive privilege that Donald Trump had. Um, Hunter Biden is just being ornery. Yeah, and you know what I saw also? There are footnotes to that, by the way, saying like he sort of wants it still, even though they're saying, yeah, we'll do it, but they want to have it in certain terms. The other thing is, they will they still go forward with the fact he's defying the first subpoena, you know? Yeah, look, I, I think Steve Scalise just said that next week um, the House is still going to vote to hold Hunter in contempt of Congress for repeatedly defying these subpoenas. Um, they're sick of the stunts. Uh, Steve Scalise says Hunter Biden doesn't get to play by a different set of rules from everyone else. He's not special. Uh, everybody else has come in, all his former business partners, anyone else who's shown up at the Oversight Committee has come in and had a closed-door deposition. It's just the way things are done. It's the way, you know, the the completely unfair and unjust star chamber that was the January 6th committee, which was not properly constituted, 
uh, they were doing the same thing as well. So it's just the way it's done. And uh, Hunter Biden seems to think that he has some special privilege because he's the son of the president. Yeah, and you know, I I thought it was I thought it was so brazen that he he sh- you know showed up suddenly at the hearing. But John, you had um you had a thought about uh, what they should have done when Hunter showed up at the committee. Well, I I don't know why they they screwed around. Say you, Mister, you know, Mister Biden, you want to you want to testify? Step up to the chair, testify. Yeah, right. Let then him and there. turn it down. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you want to testify in in private? Okay, everybody leave the room. Go go to the chair and sit down. I agree, Bob. Very you, smart. Bob Unanway, I know you've been kind of following this. What do you what do you think about all this? Uh, the head of Goya Foods, and you are such a patriot too. Yeah, I, I think it's a continuation of the election interference from from the beginning, from four years, three three years ago. You know, the laptop and all that. It's it's all been hidden. It's it's uh, the rules are for thee, not for me, and and it's just political. Just politics to to the umpteenth, and it's just again like Trump is saying, it's this is election interference, the attacking of him, and then hiding all the the the, the stuff that's been out there with the Bidens, the, the, the corruption. Yeah, I, I think uh, people are so fed up. Uh, Governor Patterson, you wanted to chime in too. I could hear you there. No, I was just listening. Oh, okay. I guess he doesn't want to. All right, Ed, do you want to chime in? Because <laughs> he's got that big Cheshire smile yeah. on. All right. Yeah, no, look, look the, right. the antics are over. He's about to be, look, there's no way the Judiciary Department, the, the Department of Justice is not going to ho- ho- go after him criminally. He knows it. That'd be bad publicity Not for this him. Department of Justice. Yeah, not this one. Oh, no, this, under these circumstances yes. and with all the stunts he's pulled, it's clear they're going to treat him the same way as, they, as well, they've treated us. let's see what you happens. Do, do you Judge, really think so, Judge? Judge yeah, that's why, that's why he's trying he to get a word in going edgewise. to testify. Are, uh, to give a, uh, I don't have that deposition. much faith in Merrick Garland, but go ahead, I, Judge. Okay, I think the whole thing is reprehensible. They have a process. Biden and Abby Lowell don't set the process. The House sets the process. He should testify like everybody else did in depositions. Then you go... Then you go forward. The stunt the other day was absolutely reprehensible. I would hope that the Justice Department under Attorney General Garland will do the right thing and uh, prosecute. And I will point out Abby Lowell's argument that, well, this was a defective subpoena, therefore give me a new subpoena, is absolute nonsense because that's how they operated without full authorization previously under Pelosi's speakership. What say you, Miranda? Yeah, look, totally agree. And um, I, I must say that uh, the idea that uh, that they call um, Hunter's bluff the other day and get him to come on and testify is very tempting, uh, as John just said, um, because you know that he would not have testified. He can't afford it because the very next day he had to show up in a courtroom in Los Angeles facing nine charges over tax evasion, tax fraud and so on, uh, including three felonies. So he he, uh, he knows and his lawyer, Abby Lowell, is a smart enough lawyer to know that he can't afford to testify because that would mean that he might incriminate himself in those charges and another set of charges in Delaware over uh, guns. So, uh, it, look, I think calling his bluff might have worked, but I do agree that uh, with the judge that, you know, there can't be special rules for, for this very privileged uh, first son. Um, he just has to do what everyone else has done.
You know, um, we're all very sad, by the way, um, that we didn't Miranda Devine get some of his artwork um, because <laughs> the artwork uh, now we're hearing how much it was selling for. It, and it turned out it wasn't fake. You remember they said that they had sort of a buffer between who was buying it. And it turns out it was the attorney sitting right there. Kevin Morris, right? His buddy. Is there a secondary you know, market for that art? <laughs> just like EVs. Yeah, <laughs> the same market that Tesla's. <laughs> Uh, Miranda. Yeah, Miranda, the artwork, you had a whole story real quick on that. We just have a few seconds left. But boy, uh, they blew the lid on that one. Well, look, as James Comer said, uh, the White House deceived the American people. They assured us that there was no funny business about uh, the buyers of this very high priced dot paintings that Hunter Biden makes. Um, and that there was going to be this great uh, ethics agreement with the with the gallerist and and Hunter would never know who bought his paintings. Well, you know, the gallerist gets interviewed by the oversight committee and says, oh, no, I never heard from the White House. There was no ethics agreement. It was just a big ruse. Yeah, big, oh big ruse. God. What a mess. What a mess. Uh, well, Miranda, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate thank it. You, Miranda. Keep up the great you. work. Thank, thanks, everybody. Great to be with you. Take care. And guys, you know, thank God it's Friday and, uh, and, uh, Robert, you know, in a way, I'm going to enjoy buying you dinner tonight. Love it. Do we get yeah. Goya beans with it? Does that get included? <laughs> we That's have to the- have them delivered. Yeah, we, we we'll will. get Christides to deliver some Goya beans. Oh, then we know it's going to be a good dinner. Well, I know it's been part of your, your fantastic diet. You're looking great, John, and, and we, we pray for your health, continued health and, uh, what you've done with the station, leading it forward, the, 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 uh, reviews are going through the roof, and you've done an incredible job. Incredible. You're just the best. Well, we we, we just want to get the truth out and just uh, do the best for all, all New Yorkers, all Americans, and, and, and the whole world. And you know what we all stand for? Truth, truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.